Hello, everybody. My name is Christopher Thomas Blank. I'm Russ Frostick. Welcome to the Resties, where the rest of the best discuss the best of the rest. This week, we are talking about Plague Tale Requiem, the sequel to Plague Tale, a game that I feel a lot of people loved. And yet, I, I haven't heard a lot of hype about this one for some reason, because I guess maybe too many video games, but uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it. We we should probably talk about something else first, though. Yeah. Do you know what that is? What? Okay, so I don't talk about my kid and my dog a lot on this podcast, but I feel like I I need your console consultation mm, consigliere is what you need sure 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 so uh this evening uh hang out with mosey mm. and uh before this podcast i was like hey can you you, you want to watch a movie while i record the podcast and he's like totally cool i'm like great got wildly set up i was like what do you want to do after this and he's like watch one more movie i want to watch sonic 2 oh i'm like you know what you're being very cool you give me some time to record you got it and he's like, okay. And I'm like, I love you. And he's like, I love you. And as I'm leaving the room, he says, and I shouldn't put the dog in a headlock. <laughs> Out I, of nowhere. I can't help but notice there wasn't a question mark there. No. And I don't know if he, I've I never heard him use the word headlock. I've never seen him put the dog in a headlock. The dog's asleep next to him. So I didn't get the dog's reaction, you know, like I thought, you know, maybe the dog could give me a cue. Like, is is there something I've been missing? And I was like, no, you shouldn't. And he was like, nope, no headlocks. So now I've just left my child with the dog. Well, he's said no headlocks. So you're good, right? I mean, yeah. And he 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 doesn't lie to me. But, it's you know, it's like that. It's like a shirt that says, you know, like. People keep asking me questions about headlocks, you know, that sort of yeah. thing. Like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, I, someone comes to you and is like, I'm not going to stick a needle, in, a needle in your ear while you're sleeping. Yeah. And you're like, the first thing you think they're going to do is put a needle in your ear. Right. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm just wondering if, is my child the devil? <laughs> I mean, or he, it might be a burgeoning, uh, you know, AEW star. Sure, or maybe just, you know, very great, thoughtful, empathic person who just wants to let me know I will not be choking out her dog. <laughs> is it ch- is a headlock a choke or is it more of a, I feel like it stabilizes in positions. Mm, yeah, like it, it's more about getting like a, a, the grapple started. It's not like the sleeper or where, where you're cutting air supply off. Sure, sure, sure. So you're, what you're saying is I'm probably good for now and he's like, Hey, I'm not going to give the dog a pile driver. That's my problem. Yeah, well, you just need to listen for the tap out. If you hear the dog tapping <laughs> out, true. then you run in. Piece arr, of cake. Arr, arr. <laughs> um, real 1980s AM radio vibes here today. Um, okay, how about we take a break and we talk about this video game? Okay, Plague Tale Requiem. Here's the basic premise as far as I can tell. And correct me if I'm wrong here. You play as, uh, I guess, like a 20-something woman, probably around I that I thought age, she was right? a little younger. Maybe a little I, younger. I could be wrong, but I, and she her, reads like a 16, 17-year-old. Sure. And her like younger brother, and you are, in, you are living in Europe in the age of the bubonic plague. Yes. 
And there is some like sci-fi mixed in here. Not sci-fi, actually. I guess kind of fantasy. Yeah, fantasy. Uh, powers looped in. But the big thrust of this is you and your little brother sneak around uh, doing stealth missions, uh, avoiding, you know, evil plague cultist, basically, um, you know, avoiding the plague itself, and avoiding actual ocean-sized waves of rats. Yes. Like, it, like rats in this game, it's not like 10, it's not like 1,000, it's so many that they are a liquid that yeah. pours through walls and down, it like fills hallways and, and stuff like that. Yeah, that's accurate. Uh, you know, I should correct you on one front. You said mm. stealth missions and like you don't you shouldn't get the impression that like these two are working for like the Middle Ages version of Metal Gear Solid's organization, whatever, Foxhound. Sure, these are just sure. like stealth scenarios. So <laughs> no, like they get knocked off of a cart and they're being chased by some angry villagers and then you have to hide. The important thing to note is like there's not I mean there is some toe-to-toe -to stuff in this game in the series but l largely speaking you can't really hold your own against more than one person at a time uh, so you have to like hide in bushes and stuff. Yeah it, it, it is not a violent well, it's a violent game in that you can see people get eaten by rats, but it is not a game that wants you to participate in combat a whole lot. Yeah, you're mostly avoiding and, like, using stealth and distractions and stuff like that to sort of work to your own ends. Um, yes, I, it, it's it's interesting. So the the kind of, like, I don't know, the puzzle for me with this game is it looks like the future. Like, the visuals here, I think, are fantastic. When it's very not, pretty. When they're not busted, but it's very pretty, it, beautiful lighting, these absolutely stunning landscapes uh, across Europe. And we should I, mention the team, obviously the team worked on the previous Plague Tale game, but they also notably worked on the flight simulator game for Microsoft. Oh yeah. yeah. It's Team Asobo is their name, not to be confused by Team Asobi, which makes the Astro Robot game on PlayStation. Thank you. It's yeah, I mean it I, it's a beautiful game. But then the weird thing is the game itself to me is like Xbox 360 era game design. Yeah, so that's the thing. Is it feels like this stretch between you're right, like visuals and gameplay. And these days I feel like there are tons of like indie examples of people tackling narrative and in those instances they're not trying to match the fidelity of a game from Naughty Dog or something like that. They're usually like, maybe it's side-scrolling or maybe it's overly simplistic to make sure that you, you, they can still nail the narrative beats. But here, this development studio is trying to match the like technical prowess of a Naughty Dog game, but cannot like the game was not built or they don't have the budget to match the scale of the game design at work at a Santa Monica studio or a Naughty Dog. Yeah. So it is a weird dichotomy that makes you feel like you're playing an indie game, even though that studio is like 250 people. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess I'll be nicer to them and a little harsher to Naughty Dog. I think this is a problem across AAA games in general, where the visuals 
have far outpaced the like game design in terms of like people's ambitions. So I think like Last of Us Two, it does a, some interesting things. It has like improved AI and and whatnot, but the core idea is still something that could be done in the three sixty. I I would say that's somewhat true. I think The Last of Us 2, and we've talked about it in the past, I don't love the narrative. It is one of the best, if not the best, third-person action experiences I've ever played, bar none, not even a question. Like It is so head and shoulders above the field of the amount of like versatility and like those combat scenarios are like so ahead of their time that uh, but playing this, which feels very much like Last of Us, like it has a similar pace, especially when you're stealthing it out. But the second, like, there's any combat or any action, or you can't like vault over a rock that's like two feet off the ground, yeah. you begin to really see the difference between a naughty dog and a and a game like this. That's a good point, and I guess what I would say is, well, again, that core loop is was doable a long time ago for a Last of Us two type, you know, stealth knock people off yada 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 i guess the scope of the world that they're creating i just wouldn't have loaded i think the scope (laughs) and also just the diversity of the stuff that you can do at any given moment in in last of us 2 is wild uh you know the idea you can go prone or crouched or walking or running or i'm aiming a bow and arrow i'm crafting this thing like there's just it is and it's all seamless. Like, like the animation looks like someone actually doing those things. Right, exactly. It's not nothing ridiculous. nothing that could have been pulled off in the 360 era. Like you could conceive of it in the 360 era, but no one could ever pull that off in a game, not only because of technical limitations, but also just like people weren't thinking in that frame of run. Like the idea that you could just have a 3D open world game in that era was an accomplishment, let alone yeah. having like a really intense amazingly well-refined thing so i mean again not to pull us away from this game but i do think like that's the big differentiator here is this this the game design feels very much in the era of like the early like gears of war like that's what you could pull off or uncharted like the early versions of those games but cannot really go toe-to-toe with like the newer versions of those games that said if you like those sorts of games, I think you'll like this a lot. Like, when I say Xbox 360 era, that's not inherently a knock. Yeah. Like, I think each era of video games did its own thing well. And sometimes a problem with, like, the modern era is it gets so obsessed with open world that it leaves behind some of the great ideas of the past, right? Yeah. And I think there's some of that here. I like the simplicity of, of kind of the stages here. They're open-ish, but not really. Yeah. I mean, they're much closer to They're pretty to directed. Yeah. Um, and I like the simplicity of the story and how it connects into what you're doing. I mean, it, yeah, it, it really does pair nicely with uh, kind of that Uncharted era, um, the Uncharted 2, Uncharted 3 kind of era of, of game design. Yeah. I, I also think that the, like, environmentally, like the setting... Um, is not something you see a ton of in these sorts of games. You might see it in like a strategy game like a, or even like a, a game like Chivalry. But for narrative games, you don't see a ton of like Middle Ages France. Um, yeah, and, it, and it's kind of diverse in even that, right? Like you start out with a almost kind of Death Stranding kind of 
almost Scottish bluffs. I don't know. That's yeah. not right. I don't know enough about European, you know, topography, but these really lush, hilly greens. And then you get into this, you know, kind of like almost like acrid red, dirty, you know, almost looks like parts of like a dried out Spain. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it, it does a lot of different visual styles um, that gives it that kind of good touristy feel that a yeah. game like this often should have. Um, we, we also have not mentioned the fact that you can control rats. In that's true. Table, and that's like a real win. And that, and that was, for what it's worth, if you played the original game, which I didn't play it, but I did a read up on it just like so I was up to speed. Basically, the original game, the idea is the little boy that you're um, basically taking care of, he's only like five or six, you find out that he's like the chosen one and he's got this like <laughs> evil blood power or whatever that basically gives him control of rats. And I am the rat king. Basically. I, not only did I read up on it, I also watched the final <laughs> boss fight of the original game, mm-hmm. which if you're not going to play it, Go ahead and on YouTube and watch it <laughs> because holy shit, I'm gonna spoil it. Sorry, I, 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 no, it's please, just too fucking funny. So he gets this power, but there's like a rival guy who's trying to steal his power, who's dressed as the Pope or like I guess a cardinal, and you basically confront him in a church, and you've got like your normal rats, and then he is now able to summon these white rats, and you basically have this like black rat white rat like war where they charge at each other and eventually he turns into like a giant column of rats that has to like slam down on you bayonetta style it is fucking bonkers i was not expecting it given the like you know it starts out pretty tame and and kind of grounded in reality to some extent and it goes Totally buck wild. So Real Resident them, Evil uh, yeah, 7 energy right there. It is very, very much that. I, you know, we, you were talking about the art design. I think the art design is like definitely the strongest part of this game. Mm. Um, I think whoever is doing the art design, they've managed to recreate those spaces in in-game environments so incredibly well that I can like see what the concept art was and the fact that they were able to like transport that into the game total huge accomplishment and i like want so much good to go to this art studio because if you just want to see like beautiful settings bam this is the thing to do it in yeah i i also mentioned just nailing a certain era of of video games the tutorial segment of this game i i like it do you i i do i well so i i admire it in that i think i think they did it I don't think we ever need a tutorial like this ever again because they did the perfect version of it. Really? So, well, so yeah. So let me just, let me, well, let me describe how it works for people. The beginning of this game is the, tu- the tutorial arc of all tutorial arcs, which is you are walking around and having a nice, fun time. And then you learn how to perform combat by pretending to be having a fight so these little um uh they pretend they're ships but they're like just sticks or whatever going down a creek yeah Yeah, pine cones and then you like you attack at those pine cones so you're learning how to do combat right Mm -hmm. and then uh then uh uh-oh you go sneaking around and you find that there are bad dudes around yeah so then you have to learn not just to sneak but to sneak to evade and then tensions get 
uh, ratcheted up even higher when you realize, like, oh, these people are killers. Like, this is really, <clears throat> really dangerous. So then gradually you start learning combat, and then an escape scenario begins, and suddenly uh, the combat training that you learned in, like, a very not tense setting, you're learning at, like, maximum tension. Sure. Do I think that is, like, exciting, fresh, or new? Not in any way possible. Okay. Do I think it is, like, the perfect build of how you do that? Of, like, again, seeing that type of thing in Uncharted. I think um, Last of Us Part Two did a version of this. It was just, like, far more protracted. They just added a lot more story in between all yeah. of those elements. But this one, I, I, I admired it in that... It, it is, it's everything, and there's, like, no filler. It, oh, it's I just see it. all the phases of a tutorial. Yeah. That said, I do feel like we're kind of now moving on to a different period in games where it, it truly just assumes a certain level of competence when you play video games now. Um, it's kind of incredible how little tutorialization there is. And if you do want that, they offer it as an option. I think the latest Gears of War did this where there was, like, no tutorial in it, but if you wanted to play a tutorial, they had an entire custom story tutorial available to you. Yes. And, yeah, so I, 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 I'm I, kind of mixed on it. Like, I, it wasn't especially fun <laughs> or compelling, but I admired, like, wow, they really set out to make a thing, and they nailed it. I mean, I, yeah, I don't really understand what you're admiring. Like, I found it, <laughs> slow and and like frustrating (laughs) i'm trying to think of like another way of putting it like do i like eating taco bell tacos yes no is the taco bell taco the perfect distillation of a fast food taco yes but uh, yeah this is not the first time anyone has like distilled like a tutorial has been distilled in a 15 to 20 minute span. Yeah, I guess I just feel like it, it it's done well enough here that I it didn't it didn't like make me mad. <laughs> and now I feel like if I come across any of these in any other games, I feel like I'm like just lowering and lowering the bar here. <laughs> I guess I thought Last of Us but, 2's tutorial like did it well personally. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's fair. Anyway, I think I think it makes for like I think it's a fun enough 20 minute intro in that it got all of the exposition out of the way. It taught me how to play the game. It did everything it needed to do, and it did it very quickly. It's just, uh, here's what I'm going to say about the tutorial and, like, of the game that I played. I haven't finished it yet, but of the game that I played, it's so overwritten that I get a little annoyed. Mm, It's, like, so every two seconds, there's, like, a whispered voice line of, we have to run away from them. (laughs) That's 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 clear. They have axes, and (laughs) they said they're going to kill you. You don't need to say you have to run away from them. You know what helped me? Was the design of the bad dudes here? I yeah. think is awesome. I like They're the like design of the bad dudes. Evil bad beekeepers, and yes. they wear like like uh, woven baskets on their head. Yeah, very cool. No, I completely agree. But no, I I I know what you mean, and it it does do that thing that again is just like so of this era of video games where it does the tutorial, and they're like, great, I am so ready to go play this game now. You know, like. I'm, let me loose. And then it's like, okay, but what if first you go and do a lot of like walking around in like a, a town where you can't interact with things and get scary. Yeah. But then after that, it does open up, I think, quite a lot and, and becomes a, a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. 
who should play this game first point i guess it's like gonna be on game pass so like if you have game pass there's no not a reason not to boot it up yeah if it's if it's on uh, i gotta see if it's actually on game pass but if it, it will is, be it will yeah. be yeah okay. i looked it up it will be. Then, yeah like i think this is again like a perfect example of the game pass game where it seems like people should play the first one maybe though mm. i mean i don't know there's like yeah. a lot of narratives like i mean they bring you up to speed but I think you should just watch that final boss fight. Yeah, that is the you know, like that is you, the best part. The giant rat towers. I mean, I yeah, that's you know fair. everything you need. Yeah. Um. Uh. Any any other thoughts on this game? No, I you know again, I, I think there are versions of this game that I think I'd be way more into. I think again, they nailed the visuals. They nailed the like art design is so cool in this game. I just like I'm not super into a pretty uh, prescribed insta fail stealth situation and there's a lot of that in this yeah i think it kind of gets at just our personal taste and how you and i i think have both kind of distanced ourselves from this type of design i i think we felt the same thing with um horizon the sequel which is, is a different game entirely obviously it's an open world game but it's still just playing with a lot of the same tools from a decade old toolbox yeah, and, I think this is way more of an extreme version of that. Yeah, but I, I take your point. Yeah, which is to say that I think that there are, are a lot of people out there who are going to love this game uh, even more than we do. Um, cool. How about we take a break? Okay, we are back. We have a lot more mailbag to empty. Uh, we did a AMA call for this past besties filled up the mailbag and now I want to I want to clear it out. But before we do that, it's the 6th year, 6, is that right? 6 year anniversary of No Man's Sky 2016 it came out, so I guess so. Holy moly. Is that um, wild? Yeah, it's wild. And you you've been playing a fair amount. Yeah, I I want to mention one thing, a little backstory on on uh, No Man's Sky when it first came out. So when it first came out, Sony was handling the, the I guess, PR for the game, and it wow. was an exclusive on PlayStation. And they were basically refusing to send anyone early code for it. So, which is fine. Like, it's their prerogative if they want to do that. What they didn't really factor in is that we were going to be able to go to a random store in New York City and just buy it. And uh, mm. so that was really our first experience playing it. And no one had really seen a lot of, I don't think anyone had gone hands-on with it by that time. So it was essentially out. And as we all know, No Man's Sky was not in a great state when it launched. Uh, A lot of the features that were promised or at least hinted at from multiplayer to base building to whatever were just not there. And if you've been keeping it, paying attention to the development cycle of this game, Hello Games, a relatively tiny studio, has somehow pulled this game, which was arguably the biggest disappointment in recent memory uh, in terms of game releases, probably next to Cyberpunk, pulled it out of the ashes and turned it into not only the game that was promised, but a game that is far more ambitious than it was promised at launch. And it's gotten countless free updates, including the most recent one, which just came out last week, uh it's 4.0 basically i forget what the they they have names for these updates yeah but i hadn't really played a lot of it since 
I played a little bit when like creative mode got added just to like mess around with it. But in all honestness, I haven't played a lot of it since launch. So this is like my first time diving into it and really messing with a lot of the features since launch. And wow, it is like a super fun, very entertaining game, but only because of this most recent update, which so I'm going to talk about, talk about that now. This most recent update added the ability to basically fine tune the difficulty to your heart's content. So huh. things you can do, you can t- turn the uh, combat difficulty way down and or off. If you don't want any of the animals to attack you or the robots to attack you unless you attack them, you can do that. You can remove any need for currency. So if you want to just buy everything for free, you can do that. You can add every recipe in the game to your inventory instantly. You can do that. Now, what I did was I wanted a middle ground. When I booted up Creative many years ago, I kind of found it like, oh, I've got everything now. This is not rewarding. It's just sort of like overwhelming. So I still wanted a power curve to the game. So I included, uh, you know, I still had to find recipes. I still had to pay for things, but at a diminished rate. Um, So there was still like stuff that I was unlocking and like I was still experiencing the loop of the game. Um, One huge feature that they added, you can remove the need to constantly refill the fuel for your spaceship, for your bases, for your mining tool. Like one of the biggest issues I had with this game was that so much of it was dedicated to, oh, I need to fill that meter again. Resource management. Constant, constant meter filling over and over again. Every time you wanted to do something fun, no, you can't. You have to go find cobalt or whatever to refill your meter. And you can turn that off, and I did, and it makes the game so much more enjoyable because you can just keep to focus. Oh, I'm going to focus on doing missions, or I'm going to focus on finding a freighter, or doing you know various other things without the need to constantly stop and be like, uh-oh, I'm out of carbon. So that was a bit of a rant, but I just want to say, like, if you've been holding off on experiencing No Man's Sky, maybe you bounced off at launch, or maybe you heard the negative res- reports in launch and didn't even try it. It is in such a good state right now. Um, I would, uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. I, I, I will remember to tweet. I'll tweet on my account what settings I have. These settings have been great for me. I've been very, very happy with it. Um, still adds some like challenge. You still have to work for things, but it's just way less grindy than it was previously. And I've just gotten so much more enjoy of, uh, enjoyment out of it. This sounds great. I yeah. feel like each one of these mega updates, people are like, no, no, this is the time to go back. And almost every time I give it a try, and it, it it's not bad any of those times. Yeah. But it's always like, oh, this isn't quite what I am looking for yet. Um, the tutorial, that the, tu- the, the intro, I mean, speaking of tutorials, the intro to this game was notoriously rough. Yeah, um, and, 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 it, and that's it got been better tightened and up. better and better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's been tightened up. But also now that you don't have to worry about fuel, the intro is like cut in half because yeah. half of the intro was like, <laughs> oh, I true. need to craft a fuel cell and then I need a fuel cell to power my antimatter or whatever the fuck. And that's yeah. all gone uh, if you turn this setting on. So this, I wonder if they have a, a sequel in the works. They are. Like, I, I don't think a sequel. They are working on another game. We next? recorded at it on at Polygon.com. Uh, they've said that it is scale wise comparable to no man's sky mm, yeah because but that was probably like a, a year or two ago so it's been a while 
Yeah, th- this feels like the thing that you do when you're like about to, you know, finish up a game. You, like, know, you know, I'd be surprised. I think if I had to guess, I think they're going to support this game for 10 years Jeez. and then wrap it. Yeah. Because they've built something that is so modular and scalable yeah. with a relatively tiny team that I, th- and and, and I, I'm sure they continue to get sales on sales oh, whenever yeah. these updates come. You know, this is the model these days is these free updates maintain the player base while bringing in new people. It's, yeah. it's really smart. Well, it's also the Minecraft model in the sense that there are always new young people who like yep. science, right? Yep. So, like, you can keep doing this because you know that, you know, six years ago, there was an entire audience that was just way too young to even give this a try, um, yep. which is wild and so antithetical to the way video games have worked in the past. You know, it used to yep. be like if you wanted to get those people involved, you just had to keep making Call of Duty every year. Um, for sure yeah it's pretty cool uh, the, the big question the big yeah. x factor right now where does this put starfield because bethesda's starfield is coming out in theory mm-hmm. what is it uh march of next year yeah yeah, 2023. yeah. and uh a we know that bethesda games tend to launch kind of messy to say it lightly yeah uh and b like the amount of options you have in this game for, i did a mission last night where I boarded a derelict freighter and did like a dead space style, like haunted mission. Huh? There's just so much variety here. It'll be interesting to see if Starfield can match that at launch or whether they're going to have to ramp up to it. Uh, I'm sure Starfield will be prettier, but they won't have the procedurally generated stuff in Starfield. I'm sure a lot of it's going to have to be handcrafted, not the planets, but like, the enemies you face and the missions and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, it's also just marketing, right? Like Starfield just has a marketing budget that's infinitely larger than this. Oh, yeah, Starfield will be fine. I'm more talking like, oh, no. Yeah, as artistically, I, I that makes sense. But I'm saying, you know, it's like in film, right? Like the best superhero movie the last 20 years could have been an indie film. You know, it could have been like an indie sure. superhero. But at the end of the day, the vast majority of people are going to see the one that is advertised during Monday Night Football. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I know I, I, I agree. It's, it's a question that I'm very curious about. I mean, I just expect that Starfield won't be the game that it's supposed to be for another two or three years after launch. That just seems yeah. like the model at this point. Um, yeah, which I think that's fair to I'm say. I'm not apologizing for it. I think it should be held you know, to expectations at release, especially for reviews and whatnot. But I just think that they know that players will buy it, and if they don't, they'll they'll catch them down the line. Yeah. Um, let's let's empty the mailbag really quick. Let's do it. Um, uh, first one from uh, Windmill Warrior, well, Don Quixote, right here. If you could pitch a Halloween game design idea, what would it be? Um, I want Among Us X the thing immediately. Like what? let let me let's play Among Us, right? Right. Like that idea, but for for the like add more combat that is akin to John Carpenter's The Thing, because Among Us the premise is basically the thing. Like right, you have right, one right. shape shifting, whatever, I, I, running I around love, killing people. I would love something that I mean. I guess the more the better way of putting it is like I would like a The Thing multiplayer game. Like the Dead by Daylight people, I would like them to yeah, do something sure. like this where it's like a 3D game where I. Yeah, you want a 3D like, action survival game. Yes. Not the like, like indie, like 
Among Us is obviously a very boiled down version of what we're talking about. Yes, and that combat can actually be triggered where you can fight against the thing and that there can be multiple the thing. Like, you know, eventually, like, most of the people in your match should be the monsters. And they can. If there were multiple things, ways. how would you indicate them? Would you say thing one and thing two? Oh. Damn it. <laughs> Do you have a Halloween game idea? Um, I, Yeah. I yeah. just like the thing one and thing two. No, no, you did That's, good. I, 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 knew, I knew that I caught you off guard after that. There, there was, you weren't going to have anything ready. Um, you used up all your brain juice. This one's from Daniel. Uh, if the original Mario, Mario movie had been animated instead of live action, what 80s or 90s stars would have been cast? Oh, so voice-wise. Yeah, I mean, the truth is, nobody we know of would have been cast. Because until, like, Shrek era, most voice actors were separate from, like, popular actors. It's not like today where, you know, a DreamWorks movie or, or Illumination stubs, stuffs the movie with, like, famous names, right? Um, but if we were using kind of the modern motif of casting where, you know, you just get as many famous people in there as possible, I, I mean, Jim Carrey would probably be one of them. Who would right? he be? Luigi? Uh, I mean, probably King Koopa. Like that, that yeah, movie's he, version he, of King Koopa. Yeah. Um, and then if it's like 80s, I feel like, like Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. Oh, yeah. Something like that, you know? Yeah, um, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, yeah, Mary Luigi, that works well, actually, because Dan Aykroyd already has the, like, timid thing going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do I think that would be good? No, <laughs> not at all. But, like, that's not the question. Um, uh, here's one for you. Okay. Dustin asks, would you rather never have to worry about money again hmm. or... Live in a world where Pokemon are real. Okay, let me let me see. Good question, Dustin. Would I rather have infinite money, or would I rather live in a world where Pokemon are real? There's a problem with this question. Is that one of these things is seemingly pretty good, and one of them is pretty bad? Which one's which? Do you know which one it is? The money one sounds good to me. The See, Pokemon are real sounds fucking terrifying. No, 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 no. No? I think this, I, your answer is selfish. Because... I mean, it is selfish, but it's well, also, like, but, I don't know, for the best of the world, because the world can't sustain no, no, fucking no, 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 Tauros no, no. running around shooting fireballs at people. No, 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 no. Look at what happens in all Pokemon societies. They're idyllic. They're borderline utopic. So I think I think the lesson is that by having Pokemon around, life improves for everyone. No, here's the thing though. Uh-huh. Think of Pokemon games and like the towns in the game. So the towns sure, themselves, sure. Oh. idyllic. You're right, they're great. The second you step outside of the of the outskirts of the town, it's mm -hmm. a fucking shit show. You walk into mm -hmm. a little patch of grass and you get attacked by a Mister Mime. It's terrifying. It, it so, does. It does suggest that like maybe this is post-apocalypse. We're like. <laughs> Most of the world has been yeah. destroyed. If if you can find a sanctuary, you're good. But like, there's not a lot of people around. That's a good point. And not only that, the housing situation is terrible. There's like three houses per town. Good mm -hmm. luck getting one of those. That's true. And it's not a lot of people living in them. You know, like your house, huge. 
You think that you could share it, but no, not at all. No. Um, uh, let's see. This one's from Ignarius. With games coming out broken, then resurrecting, Cyberpunk, No Man's Sky, etc., and the rise of early access, how do you define when a game is worth your money? Uh, oh, gosh. I mean, the idea of defining when a game is worth your money is so different from person to person. It, it, you know, realistically, for me, I have a job. Like, I'm not going to buy every single game, but, like, I have enough money to buy a game if, like, I want to. So it more becomes a, is it worth my time situation? Mm-hmm. And I mean, in a lot of these situations, it's like, so No Man's Sky obviously I already had, and it was just like, felt like a time sink to me. So I bailed. And the fact that they cut out that time sink, a lot of it, I was able to come back to it. So I don't know. I, I guess it, it, it's, yeah, it's just so different for everyone. Yeah, I mean, a big thing at Polygon is we try not to do this, at least not on the reader's behalf, because we understand that, like, everybody's financial situation and availability of money is unique, right? So if if you start to do this, like, in terms of criticism, it's really tricky really fast. Um, And I think, like, personally, not that helpful. So that's why time is often something we think a lot about. That said, for me... Let, let's go back to like when I was a teenager, right? When I, I I didn't have one, I wasn't working in this career, and two, I didn't have like grown up money. If I was a teenager now, I think a lot of it would be, hey, is it on a subscription service? Um, is or should I just wait for a sale? Especially if I owned a gaming PC, like it would be really hard if I was really being careful with um how like how many game purchases i made a year and by that i mean you know like let's say my gaming budget for the year is 150 160 bucks right three big triple a games i don't know if i would buy anything new at all you know outside of like the most exciting i mean it would have to really be something special um mostly because there's so much else to play that it's like why bother like if you can wait six months, you'll get it for half off. And in the interim, there's a, literally a trillion interesting things that you could be playing instead. Um, so Yeah, I think about yeah. that a lot. Like if you're willing to not be at the forefront of gaming, like if yeah. you can, again, six months behind, you can get so much entertainment for like gaming is already a really good ROI in terms of like money you're spending versus how much time you get out of it. It becomes outrageous like comically outrageous how much bang you get for your buck if you just wait and get a game that's like older so like even if you fuck up and like buy a shitty game by accident for 10 it's 10 dollars like realistically like you could probably swing it whereas 60 70 dollars that's a lot of money yeah um and on one hand for like developers i feel i'm like almost reluctant to say that because like hey you know that's how studios stay afloat on the other hand, as we move to all digital, it's still a trillion times better than how it worked in the past, which was mm-hmm. if I told you to wait until the game was on sale, what that really meant was buy it used. Yeah. And the developer didn't get any money. <laughs> so now like... Yeah, I mean, now, they, yeah. now studios build their income around doing like a Steam sale or a, yeah. a Nintendo Switch sale, like their income skyrockets when they do those. 
So they're basically getting, they already have the people that like needed to play it right at launch. They've got that group. And now they're getting people that were like, eh, on the fence, maybe, maybe not. Oh, here's this sale. I'm going to pick it up now. So you get another round of it. And you're right. Like all of it is going directly into the pockets of the developers. It's not, well, with the split of the console, but it's not going to like, with used game sales, they got zero dollars after after that yeah. resale. I I feel like buying a game at launch right now, again, if you're like being very, very money conscious, is like buying something at Kohl's at full price. Like you can do it. There are people who do that. But anybody yeah. who knows Kohl's knows that you've got a twenty percent discount code somewhere that you can go use, right? Bed Bath and Beyond, same thing. You know, if if, yeah. if you're if you're familiar with the space, you're not going to be spending full price on your next garbage can. You're going to be getting you're gonna yeah. be getting a deal. Um uh one final question before we wrap up, Ooh, a games industry question. This one's from Directional Joy. How do you see video games media evolving in the future? We have websites, podcasts, YouTube videos and social media as examples of how to put out info. Is any form of this more promising than others? I ask because of the recent layoffs in games media, which uh, it's been a rough time, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, uh, Love the besties. So um, do do you have any initial thoughts on that? I think the value of games media is on a few fronts. I think there's a curation, certainly a curation aspect to it. There always has been, but even more important now as we are there are fewer and fewer of these publications uh but it's also a uh you know through a, either a critical or a cultural lens viewing games that are doing something interesting or doing something unique or the way communities are covering these games or existing in these games i think there's a lot of approaches that video games media can take that isn't you know 10 years ago it was a very standard, like, do a preview, do a review, interview the developer. Like, it followed these same beats over and over again. And I think everyone has moved on from, like, for example, previews are, like, way more, way less important than they used to be. But I think there is this whole post-launch cycle that we are constantly uh, keeping our ears in and listening to and and paying attention to. And... That's what people care about is like, oh, I play this game 300 hours a week. I only want to read about this game. We can provide some insight into aspects of that that like we couldn't if we were covering 300 games a year. So yeah. it's it's different. Um, how much does that scale across like can there still be 16 huge video game media co- organizations? Probably not. I mean, you know, it's definitely shrinking. But we, you know, there's been a lot of discourse about like mainstream media and how it hasn't like picked up this torch. And you're right, they haven't. So yeah. uh, we we still have, uh, you know, room to play in this space. Yeah. And I, I mean, we always will in that like, they call it enthusiast press, but like every, every medium has that, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's always going to be hardcore sports people who just want to read a hardcore sports publication. Same thing with games. Yeah. Um, I, I think what we're seeing right now and we're going to see even more of is just there's more competition than ever before. You know, when Fresh and I got into this business, there was a lot there were a lot of magazines, but there wasn't Twitch. There was I mean, kind of just in TV. There was a very, very, very early days of YouTube. There were podcasts on places like 
oneup.com, which were, you know, kind of the proto gaming podcasts. And now there's just so much. There are, you know, I mean, just on YouTube, you could have, you know, video essayists, you can have guides creators, you can have people who do previews, you have people who are streamers, you have people who just make careers off of streamer drama and gossip. Like, I mean, it's just absolutely massive. And I think, you know, 15 years ago, if you wanted to get into this space, it's not like there was a ton of money, but there also wasn't a lot of competition. So you could kind of like try a bunch of different things and and see what worked. And maybe that could keep a publication afloat. Now, I think there's so much going on that you really have to know what your expertise are. Like what, what, what's the thing that you are selling or doing that other people can't do well? What, you know, for a site like Polygon, what works really well is text versus what works really well is video. And how do we play to each of our strings? And I think that is what we'll see with like games media evolving. I don't think games media, I mean, I think it will only get bigger. I, I think there, I think there's only going to be more resources coming into it, but at the same time as competition happens, that that's going to lead to some, some rough times too. Um, but like overall, I'm optimistic. Like it's a, it's a place that I still enjoy working in. So I think that's, that's about all I can say. Yep. Does that, that seem fair? That seems fair. Um, uh, cool. Let's wrap up. We have our recommendations of the week. Anything that you were recommending? Uh, I, I saw your recommendation. I was like, I don't think I saw that. <laughs> um, I've been watching the Game of Thrones show. It's pretty good. I'm a, little, I'm a few episodes behind. I won't give spoilers, but uh, it's kind of amazing. I uh, It's called House of the Dragon. It's on HBO. I'm sure you've heard of it. And I went in expecting, like, after a huge disappointment from uh, the original Game of Thrones ending, as I'm pretty sure everyone was, uh that is a pretty tough thing to come back and be like no we're gonna do this again obviously with a different creative team and uh they've done a very good job and i'm very pleased with it uh, you know i think it's very well acted and performed and uh, production wise it's very good um so yeah it, ca- it takes a little bit uh a few episodes to get going but once once it's going it's definitely uh going i love it uh i watched the invisible man uh the other day Again, which have you ever watched the original The Invisible Man? Like no. the Universal Monster movie? I, oh. I've seen Chevy Chase's memoirs of the Invisible oh, Man. No. Oh no. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I have seen that. I'm sorry. Um no, the original Invisible Man rules. It's so fun. I love it because we're <laughs> like the other um Universal Monster movies, they have like pathos and like <laughs> meaning and like morality you know frankenstein is like this beautiful tale and uh just the the beauty and cinematography of a creature from the black lagoon the invisible man is just about a huge asshole like it's kind of like tony stark back in the day like he's just very much a jackass scientist who suddenly has way too much power and then he's just a jerk in that's the movie. Him being a, oh, so it's a like Hollow Man jerk. Y- y- yes, but I um not. He doesn't go as far as Hollow Man. Hollow yeah, Man Hollow is like ooh, thank you. yeah. Yes. Hollow Hollow Man is a, a tough hang. 
Um, this is more like, oh, it's fun. Like, it's fun to watch yeah. this guy be a jerk. And we're not cheering for him by any means, but, like, we also don't feel like we're committing a crime by watching him. <laughs> we're not complicit. Yeah. Um, so I definitely recommend that if you need... Um, if you're wanting to watch a real classic horror movie this season, I mean, I always recommend Spanish-language Dracula. That's my number one. But if if you've already seen that before, um, Invisible Man is 100% worth a watch. Um, and I think Dope. that's it. I think we did it. I think um, that is it. So we talked about Plague Tale Requiem. We talked about No Man's Sky. We talked about House of the Dragon, The Invisible Man, and my dog's losing her... Her mind, if you can hear. I'm Uh-oh. actually kind of wondering if she's in the headlock. So we Uh-oh. should probably wrap it up. Um, that is it. I'm Christopher Thomas Plant. I'm Russ Frustick. This is the Resties, where the rest of the best discuss the best of the rest. We will see you next time. Resties. You forgot. <laughs>